0: Two guys, two topics, two opinions. You talk. give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Goes to work, ball knocked away, Grant's hurt, he's hurt, he's hobbling off Uh on the break. Kabaka goes up and got fouled by Livingston. He's holding his right leg. Yep. And it looks like in the
1: same place, I don't want to speculate. People are cheering an injury.
0: It's not good. Timeout, Warriors. Kevin Durant gets up and he is limping badly. And people are cheering. Oh. Really? Oh, that's what you're doing. The Warriors not going without a fight. Iguodala yes. takes a handoff off from Draymond to Curry. Curry takes a three. It's up and
1: good. Curry has tied the game at 103 with 119 to go.
0: Van Vliet will take it up the floor. Van Vliet down to 12 seconds. 10 seconds. Way to confer Leonard. Leonard catches on the logo, steps out. Guarded by Clay Thompson. Six seconds, with five seconds. Leonard right side stops. Feeds Van Vliet. Van Vliet, one dribble, get in the corner. Low, and it's blocked by Draymond. The game's over. The game's over. The game is over. The Warriors have won. 106, 105. Keep the lights on at Oracle. Dust those seats off. That old Barnes got one more dance. <laughs>
1: Nice call right there. Uh, you heard him 106-105. Uh, the uh, Warriors stay alive against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, the series is now three games to two and switches back to Golden State. And we'll get to, uh, to Kevin Durant. Uh, don't have too much of an update on his status, but we'll get to that impact certainly coming up a little later on in the segment. But I want to start by talking about the game itself. Because, and I heard Scotty talking about this earlier, uh, you know, I I don't have one of those memories of Tony Parks where I can remember, you know, what the score was when there was three minutes to go in the uh, Wizards-Cavs first round series in 1983. Well, then you're not a real fan. Um, well, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I thought Scotty put it well. This this was the best playoff game for a while in recent memory. I mean, as far as competitiveness goes, drama, I I loved it. That fourth quarter was so fun, uh, absolutely on the edge of my seat. And even the way the game ended where it, it was kind of like uh, Austin after watching a, a movie you really love or something like that, and it ends and you just kind of have to gather yourself for a second and be like, oh, my gosh, what did I just watch? You know, it, it, it was one of those types of finishes. It was a, a great game. It's uh, it's what makes the NBA Finals great, games like that. Loved, um, I almost said every second of it, but that would not be true because certainly that Kevin Durant part, and didn't enjoy that so much, but the rest of the game was was terrific. Toronto coming back, Uh Kawhi Leonard just taking the game over, just saying I'm the best player on the floor right now, and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make it happen. He was he was unbelievable, and then coming down the stretch, you had mistakes, you had big plays, you had exciting moments. Um, it, you know, the, Draymond Green getting out to that Kyle Lowry shot at the end amazing defensive play. I mean, I thought Toronto could have generated a lot better shot than that, don't get me wrong. But for for Draymond Green to cover that ground and cover that space and get out and affect that shot without, you know, totally running him over and fouling him. Kudos, man! That was an amazing,
0: amazing play. Did you realize he blocked it in real time? Because I didn't. I thought he just airballed it. And I hit had, the side of the backboard. I had to kind of go back and look at uh. it because I I wondered because somebody like Kyle Lowry,
1: I know he doesn't have the best playoff reputation in the world, but he's not missing that shot that badly, right? I would hope not. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would hope not too. But amazing defensive play by uh, by Draymond Green. Boogie Cousins throwing the shoulder on the pick. To give Toronto one last shot at it? I mean, I, I realize they would have had one more shot regardless, but uh, Golden State comes away empty and they have time to set up a good play. I mean, and Cousins, by the way, uh, I give the ref a lot of credit for making that call because that was the correct call. But how many refs have the stones to make that call in that situation? I loved that. That was it's something that absolutely gave Golden State an advantage too. That was the 100% correct call. That was, that was terrific. I thought they missed on the, on the boogie put back. You know what I'm talking about, where yeah, the they called it in the in the cylinder. I uh, I thought I thought that was pretty clear. That's that that it
0: was out. It was out. The, really, I did because from from the side it looked like it was out. But then they did that. They only showed it once too. From the, the one roof, above. from above the backboard, it looked like it was still above the front of the rim. A little See,
1: bit. See, I thought that one looked like it was clear. But that is that is the folly of replay right there. Sure. Because, and people don't understand this as much, or at least pay attention to it when you're sitting there watching games at home because, uh, man, the miracle of modern television and the modern broadcast is just so amazing. You feel like you get everything. But angles mean it all in those replays. Depending on what angle you're coming at, it's. I mean, it's all optical illusions. And so who really knows? But that that's part of the problem with, with instant replay is sometimes your eyes can play tricks on you a little bit and you have to know actually what to look for. And hopefully these the trained eyes back in Sakakas were able to, uh,
0: that was the That was the correct the Hopefully call. they guessed better than you and I guessed. But you
1: see it in football all the time, right, where there's a controversial goal line situation, and all the next day you'll see the still shots of the ball and where it was with the goal line, and it's like, yeah, but if it's shot from behind, that totally is different than if it's shot from the other way. Right. So anyway.
0: What but, about the the time Kawhi Leonard dragged his foot from half court to the free throw line and there was no traveling call? Yeah, they missed that one. Oof. Yeah. They, they, they missed. He missed a little
1: bit on that one. But let's get to, to the controversy everybody wants to talk about. And that, of course, is the timeout with three minutes to go. Nick Nurse calls a timeout. And, Austin, I've kind of been uh, going back and forth uh, all day long. And I, I, I started with, what is that buffoon doing? Inexperience, and I heard Locke's explanation on with uh, with Hanson Scotty, where uh, you know the rules, you lose that timeout, uh, and so you kind of get in the habit of calling the three minute timeout, and that's what he normally does, and he's sticking to what he normally does. But don't, I mean, I, I honestly think it's it's easy for a coach's job to get in routines. It's a big part of it, right? But I think the best coaches are the ones that can understand what the situation calls for. And isn't that kind of the big part biggest part of their job is to understand the flow of the game and what's going on. You know, rely on routines because it's a long season and because that's that's how you create really good habits. But I feel like the best coaches are the ones that have a, a an understanding and a feel for the situation. And not to get all, uh too sidetracked, it's but it's like Rick Majeris against Arizona in the, uh, what would that have been, Elite Eight Yep. in the NCAA tournament back in, in 1998. Rick Majerus thought, he, he thought like Tony Parks, that a, a zone is actually a sin against basketball. Like only softies play a zone. We wouldn't be caught dead on
0: one of my teams playing a zone. That's for the third ward. Here in the ninth ward, we're <laughs> man-to-man and emphasis on man-to-man. But Rick sees an opportunity
1: to uh, play defense differently against Arizona Miles Simon and uh, and Mike Bibby and goes out there with that triangle and two and totally changes the game because he had a feel for what the situation called for and you can rely on your philosophies and routines and those sorts of things but sometimes you need to go outside the box a little bit depending on what the situation is and not that uh, a, one random timeout is as dramatic as totally changing your defensive game plan but in this case you've got Golden State on the ropes and Kawhi Himself is putting them out. I mean, he was he was unstoppable during that period of time. Scored eleven in a row. Yes. I mean, you you can't you can't cool that guy off. You can't pull him off the floor. Plus, uh, Golden State's defensive game plan was a disaster. And that timeout gave uh, Steve Kerr the opportunity to get his guys in and adjust. How so? Was it a disaster Well, so switching Boogie Cousins onto the point guard. Or onto guards in general. Is that a bad idea? That, that, why? Did, you and I were talking about this before the show. You and I both noticed it, that in that fourth quarter, uh, Toronto was just every time running the pick-and-roll right at Boogie, which is a great idea. But Golden State's idea to combat them doing that was to, oh, let's go ahead and switch Boogie over there onto Kyle Lowry. And then Kyle Lowry was just roasting him, just roasting him. And they did it time after time. It's like, wait, what? What? And then after that timeout, they didn't really do that anymore. Didn't do it again. No. no, they they didn't do that anymore.
0: The Raptors were on a twenty-five to thirteen run. Eleven of those, thirteen of those, eleven of those coming from Kawhi Leonard. Nick Nurse calls that timeout. Kawhi Leonard missed his the next two shots, his final two shots yeah. down the stretch, and it's hard to ask a guy who gets you to the top of the mountain to also then carry you back down the mountain on your ba- on his back to the parade. But that's what they needed from Kawhi. Right. I understand that Nick Nurse saw Kawhi was tired. He was gassed. You know who else was really tired and gassed? The team that had 16 people in the in the health ward right. behind the bench. The team that had one timeout left. Not right. two. Well, at that point, three. And then it came down to two to Toronto. It reminded me of the Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl. The
1: because, Marshawn
0: Lynch? Yep. Because that little stupid paper... That all the coaches are the situational, and it yeah. adds in a, uh, stats and, and math and history, and it told them to throw the ball. No. It, 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 I don't care what a paper says or a, or a math nerd. Give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Pound it in. Celebrate the Super Bowl. Show some common sense. Give the ball to Kawhi Leonard. Is he tired? Really? Three minutes to glory. Go get it. And they lost it, and I don't know if they're going to get it back.
1: I think Nick Nurse called that timeout and said, Kawhi, quick, can you run up the tunnel and just jump in the ice bath real quick? I think that'll be great for everyone. (laughs) Just really cool it off. You know, you're... (laughs) You are playing too well right now. You are you are too on
0: fire out there. We're gonna need you to. We're gonna need you. To, it's a little mean what you're come doing. Come on, come on. Have some respect for the Warriors.
1: All right, and then let's get to the timeout that he didn't call before the last possession. And this, in my mind, Austin, and, and maybe people will argue with this. This that would this one was more egregious than the three minute timeout. I think the three minute timeout was was brutal, but not calling a timeout before that final possession makes uh, is just. It's ter- So let's let's get to some basketball basics here because a lot of people advocate to uh, not call a timeout before the final possession to get an advantage in transition. Well, Toronto is getting the ball back after the uh, illegal screen call on DeMarcus Cousins. This this was not a, a defensive rebound where you outlet and push. This was not a turnover. You know, a lot of coaches, including Jerry Sloan, if his team gets that defensive rebound, he's saying, go, go. Remember, I remember a specific Darren Williams game against, I want to say, the the Wizards? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Where Darren went down and canned the game-winning shot and everybody goes home happy. And it's like, okay, if you can get the advantage by going in transition, do it. Trust your guys. Let them go and force a a transition defense mistake because there are very few good transition defensive teams out there. It makes a ton of sense. But... If it's a turn a dead ball turnover, the defense is going to be set. All, all that advantage of not calling a timeout is gone. So you might as well call a timeout, get set, run a play. Instead, they just inbound it, let the air out of the ball. Kawhi gets it with very little time to break a double team. Has to get rid of it, and they get a terrible shot from uh, from Kyle Lowry in the corner. Dreadful possession. And again, give Draymond Green a lot of credit for com- coming in and blocking that shot because it was a great defensive play. And the guys for trapping Kawhi correctly. Right. But you can do better than that with that amount of time left. With about 15 seconds left, you could, you could do a lot better. Get him in, figure it out, figure out a way to get a clean look at the basket and go out and execute it instead of what happened, which was disastrous. So I, I thought, and for no good reason. If you're, like, rolling the dice and you're saying, oh, we took a gamble and it just didn't pay off, all right, fine. There is no gamble in this. It was like Kyle Whittingham calling the timeout against Washington a couple of years ago. Or, uh, it, it's it, like, there was no strategic advantage to doing that.
0: Yeah, and None. It, it cost them the game. And it right. cost them the game. There was no— The only way Washington could have had a chance to win that game is if the clock was stopped and right.
1: or Coach Witt obliged. Not, to or at least not go to overtime, right? Uh-huh. That's it. <laughs> so he called a timeout, and he, uh, not to go back down this road, but there was no strategic advantage to it. That's what makes it so maddening. I mean, if you want to take a gamble and you think you've got the edge and uh, you get a defensive rebound and you push it and the guy just misses the shot, all right, well, you know, you rolled the dice, it didn't work out, you were trying to get the advantage. But there was no reason whatsoever not to call that timeout. That made zero sense. Nick Nurse showed his lack of experience. Well, in the, that case. And the
0: one decision he made was, well, I can't take it with me. It's about to go, so let me use it. Right. And then in the next opportunity, he said, well, I'll just take him with me.
1: <laughs> That's a great point. What? I hadn't even thought about that. That's amazing. All right. Uh, I did sit down and watch the Dateline uh, story on the University of Utah and the death of Lauren McCluskey. Uh, watched it last night. Um, uh, it, I, I thought it was... It was pretty well done on Dateline, uh, from the Dateline standpoint. I mean, it was obvious the side of uh, the story that that they were going to tell. I mean, the, the name of the story was She Did Everything Right, which, just to get out ahead of this one, she did. <laughs> I mean, the way she she tried to deal with the situation uh, seemed to be one hundred percent correct. But for for I, Austin, I know uh, I know you didn't want to watch it. I uh, I understand your reasoning. And no, it's pro- I, want, it,
0: I want to watch it. I can't.
1: Right. I, can't, I don't blame I me Can't
0: yet watch it because I don't know what I'll, how I'll handle it.
1: You'd come away with it the with the reaction that you.
0: So I'm I'm protecting myself correctly. Are. Yeah, All you're right. you're doing fine. Uh, but
1: here's the thing: there was really no new information in the Dateline piece. If you've been following the story, and I think the Tribune's done a really good job reporting on this story, the Des News has as well, but, uh, if you've been following the story, nothing I saw was really new information to me. There were a couple of new things, but you know, I'd heard the the nine one one calls and had been following you know the the release of the report from the university and all those sorts of things. Been following it, so if you haven't seen it, there isn't a, a ton new that you couldn't get anywhere else. But what I thought that that Dateline did do a good job of was was putting it together in a in a package that really moved through the timeline very well and kind of gave you an understanding of, uh, laid it out, what happened when and what happened next. And, and I thought they did a very nice job with that and had commentary from our friends and her parents uh, along the way. And then got a, a commentary from uh, a Utah, I guess for lack of a better word, spokesperson uh, toward the end of the piece. And we'll get to that uh, in a minute. But they did do a nice job of laying it out. And, you know, maybe the story around here has gone under talked about. I know we've we've talked about it some on the big show and maybe we haven't given it the attention that that it deserves. And and that's a success for the Dateline story if it's bringing attention on it again, because it it 100 percent deserves it. And the way that Utah has has handled it from start to finish, from when the crimes began to present day has has been not the best in in my opinion they should strive for they should strive for better but really this is in my opinion long and short of it this is a a story about the failure of a police precinct I mean I think that's actually the most important part of this story not to say that it's the entire part of the story but you certainly look over it and I I'm uncomfortable with these types of things Austin because I I I really have a deep appreciation for what police officers do for our society and our communities and and I know you have uh, uh your dad was a police officer. I know you feel exactly the same way, so sometimes these things make me you know a little or make us all a little bit uncomfortable because it, just because we have criticisms for one police officer does not mean that we have um we don't appreciate others. And I think the vast, vast majority of police officers out there are amazing and put themselves out there each and every day to keep us safe. And that you, you certainly can't appreciate that uh, enough. So I want to say that. But police officers are also human beings like the rest of us and have the same weaknesses and fallibilities as everybody else out there listening to the show, which means that they're not perfect, just like the rest of us. And I think the way that that the University of Utah Police Department handles this particular case, it was it was uh, not correct. I don't want to say negligent because that has uh, a lot. That's a that's a pretty heavy term. But if you want to throw the word negligence out there, um, I certainly would listen to arguments because repeatedly. And when they they title this this piece, she did everything right. That's one hundred percent on the money. She called the police. She called her resident advisor, who. Um, so the, the, the guy wanted to give Lauren McCluskey a gun for some reason. He said, I think you should. It's not safe out there. You should be carrying a gun. Uh, Lauren went to her RA who ran that up the flagpole like, hey, there's, there's some guy who's trying to arm one of our residents and she's extremely uncomfortable with it. And they just put that off. Wait, her boyfriend wanted to give her a gun? Correct. Okay. The, right. the guy who uh, eventually uh, committed the murder, um, he wanted to give her a gun. And she was extremely uncomfortable with that and told her RA, uh, and the guy, of course, his name's Melvin Roland. And uh, the RA said, yeah, I, I brought it to the attention of student affairs, and I was told, oh, okay, we'll get to that. We'll talk about it. And then, you know, nothing happens. She goes to the, the university police department uh, talking to the dis- dispatcher dozens of times about what's going on about how she's being blackmailed blackmailed which is against the law i mean forget harassment for a second and stalking and all those sorts of things which are against the law as well i guess uh but but here's somebody trying to black i mean what what are you up there to do really and they told her uh because um they the the guy was blackmailing with some some pictures from their relationship right and they told her that oh you guys both got hacked and this is is probably a scam to extort money uh, saying that that this other guy was a victim and it it just struck me as um austin have you uh, i'm sure you've had this experience in work where uh maybe it's a uh, an engineering issue uh, back in the old days this used to happen to me when i was a producer when you'd call them because you know the whole station is off the air or something and you'd call them and be like this is a this is a, a big deal we gotta we gotta figure this out and you get the well did you turn it off and turn it back on again because they don't want to get up out of their seat in the basement and come up and actually fix the problem i've say, seen this
0: a dozen times i mean, uh, just do
1: this and that and and that seemed, yeah, that's right. that seemed to be the reaction that they were giving her every time she reached out. They said, oh, you know, this is probably no big deal. Uh, in, in one case, Austin, um, he he sent her an email saying that he, he posed as a policeman and sent her an email that said, OK, we want to talk to you. Meet us here. And she knew it wasn't a cop. She knew it was this guy. So she calls the university police department and says, this guy is trying to trick me into coming out and meeting him somewhere and you know what their response was not okay well we give us the info let's let's go check it out and find this guy their response was
0: well you probably shouldn't go then what <laughs> Yeah, even 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 to this point the man is impersonating a police officer which is also illegal and the police don't care no they just <laughs> their response is i ignore it don't show up don't then. answer his phone calls don't show up then. block his email address right
1: so this is at very least at, at very least i think that issue is the biggest one because they've got to get that figured out that that's got to happen I mean you've got to make sure that that you look out for the safety of your students that's the point of a university police department and in this case that was their response was lacking and I don't I don't really see any other way that you can look at it and they've got to figure that out that's the number one thing you got to keep those young people safe and and I mean he was allowed to wander around the vestibules of their dorms and stuff I mean the the security at the dorms are an issue I mean that has to be figured out first and foremost but then I, you know, this, this dateline, it, it was, it was very much from the McCluskey side. And you're wondering what the university response is going to be. And, and they showed the clip of, of Ruth Watkins from months ago where she said that this death wasn't preventable, which was egregious then as, as it still is now. I mean, that just, that, that says That's a lot. That's deplorable, actually. I mean, yeah. Right. So and then you you wonder, okay, well they're gonna interview Ruth. Or you know what who I'd really like to hear from? The police chief. I'd like to hear what, what he thinks about this Wait, whole do thing. Do they have
0: one, Jake? They do. Because I've not heard from the police chief.
1: Right. Yeah. So, you know, and then they roll out and I have the utmost sympathy for this gal that they made available for an interview. She's like the vice president of student affairs, not I mean, we're not talking a a member of the board, the president. We're not. I mean, we're talking about some underling, and underling. I don't mean. I'm sure she. You don't mean that negatively. I'm sure she's very
0: valuable or whatever. But why? Her station uh, does matter. Yeah. Why is
1: she the face of this? I feel like they just drew straws and they said, "Oh, you got the short one." So you've been
0: here the least amount of time. You need to go. You gotta go do
1: this. You gotta go deal with Dateline. And by the way, don't tell them anything. All right. And she was put in this really tough spot where she was asked really difficult questions. And you could tell she didn't want to put her university in the wrong spot. But, I mean, how can you not? She teared up at one point because I'm sure it's just an impossible position. And she was not the voice that people wanted to hear from. So it 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 was not going to satisfy anybody. And I felt bad that she is the face of that because the response is just... Has has been totally lacking. And I guess this one is is what I want to be the point of, of the overall segment. All right. I think when confronted with these situations, a lot of universities have chosen to go the route of how do we make this go away? I mean, if you look at Baylor, if you look at, at Penn State, and, and these are totally different situations with those, so don't get confused out there. Then I'm, I'm comparing them in the egregious nature of the violations, which I suppose is actually fairly comparable. But the way that universities have decided to deal with it is, okay, what, what is the least we need to do to make this go away without us looking bad? where I can't help but think the response should be one of proactivity. Like, we're as appalled as you are. So, man, we need to really focus on dealing with this situation appropriately because we failed this family. And I realize that that, uh, Ruth Watkins is not... In a, involved on a day to day basis with the Utah, uh, University of Utah Police Department, I, I realize that there's, you know, that's up the chain a ways, so to speak. And maybe considering the, the Utah Police Department answers to the Salt Lake Police Department, maybe that's a totally different chain entirely. But I think people. I, I want to see I, I realize that humans make mistakes and, and stuff happens that we all make bad decisions and sometimes those have catastrophic consequences. But don't we all want to see people step up to the plate and just try to make it better? And even if you're making it better for for a student down the line, I mean, you want to see people just take accountability and enough of this, enough of this. PR I mean Utah did this with the, the swim team fiasco yes. years ago where they hired a, a law firm to come in and investigate and, and on the surface that sounds like oh okay well I guess at least they're looking into it and then you look into the law firm a little bit and they're basically just a PR company who's coming in and, and whose job is to spin the situation to the best outcome for the university possible they tidy up is and, what they do and yeah. I, I I honestly understand the motivation but that's That's just CYA. That's not really doing anything, you know? And then Utah congratulates some people involved, the dispatcher, uh, the, the dean of students, and hands out these awards for the way that they handled the situation. And it's like, listen, I'm sure, I'm sure that the dean of students, uh, when, when the aftermath of this, I'm sure she provided counseling and she did a number of wonderful things to try and deal with this situation. But you can't sit around and pat yourself on the back for a failure. This was a failure, and and you say thank the, thank you to them in a closed room and say uh, thanks for helping the best you can with this horrible situation, but what you don't do is say, hey, guess what? Let's get up in front of a bunch of people and give you an award. It just is a, such a terrible, terrible look. Uh, it it makes a bad situation worse. And so I don't know, Austin. I don't mean to get too far up on my soapbox. I just don't understand why, why – um, people's humanity don't take take over in these types of circumstances and it's probably law and you're worried about lawsuits and million dollars millions of dollars in settlements and etc cetera, etc cetera. but I just don't understand how your your immediate reaction is to go to well how can I limit my liability
0: yep the the, the overall feeling I've gotten from this whole thing other than uh straight vitriol and anger which I don't think honors learn so I try to hold that back uh, but the other feeling I get is that University of Utah is caring about one thing and that's their, their selves. Right. They don't care about trying to make sure this doesn't happen ever again to somebody else. No, it's about self-preservation. They want us to shut up and go away and say, well, they, they did their best and that's absolute crap. And they ought, to, they ought to own it. They ought to answer to it. And so far they've been let off the hook and I'm glad Dateline did this.
1: Yeah, I, I, they did a nice job with the with the story. I was disappointed in the University of Utah's response.
0: Uh that's the nicest way you could possibly say
1: that. If you notice, the only time you really see the University of Utah Police Department, and this is such a terrible look. And, and this is just the, the broadcasting geek and me coming out, but they have B-roll footage of these three University of Utah cops just standing around. Whoops. And I thought to myself, like, why did why on earth did these guys I mean, didn't you notice the camera right over there? Like, it might have been a good idea to be like, you know what? This
0: isn't the- At the, least turn the siren on This or isn't the foot know.
1: that we really want to put forward. And it flashed to it like two or three different times in the story when they were talking about the University of Utah Police Department. It's just three dudes standing around in uniform. It's like, oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is not the story. This is not your side of the story that you probably want to tell. And Utah was obviously willing to share their side of the story. They made somebody available for an interview, but not, no, but not really. They made you know? someone
0: available that they could very easily say, oh, we got rid of her for what she said on Dateline. Don't worry about that. Uh, We're I,
1: handling I, this. I honestly felt so bad for her. Like, how on earth did you end up in this in this spot?
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I can honestly say I feel bad for anyone up there, but I understand where you're coming from on that. Well, I'm sure this gal didn't have— She could have said No. Uh, maybe I don't know. If she's involved, she needs to be on the show talking. If she's not, she needs to say no. I just think he could
1: be smarter about it. You know, the President Watkins, get on deadline. Lead. You know what I mean? Lead through some troubled times. That's your job as a president. Lead. Show. Set. Uh, say we're gonna. We're not gonna demand or we're not gonna uh, to tolerate this. One of our our students. One of our athletic family. You know. Passed away, paid with her life.
0: We owed her better. We're gonna do better. Instead of them's the brakes. We tried everything we could and couldn't avoid this. Good luck sleeping, President Watkins. That's gross.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I would I would certainly encourage anybody out there if you still have it on the DVR uh, to watch it because I, I think you know for our community this 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 was a big thing. I, I think it's it's worth. It's it's certainly worth watching, and we need to demand better. And when when our society, we as a people, fail each other, we need to figure out how not to. It's the social contract, Austin.
0: I'd like to see someone higher up step in and make something change here. Someone outside of the U- University of Utah, because they're obviously not going to do it. Maybe someone outside of the, the police hierarchy. I want to see someone in real power step in and say, this this has to make sure that we never see this happen again because no one is doing that yet. Austin, get Mitt Romney on the horn. I don't care who it is, Jake. I don't care who it is. Do something. Yeah.
1: It's a troubling story. All right, more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.